The Australian Financial Review. I was a chartered accountant and went to London with PwC. I got told I was on the partner program and I went home and I thought, I don't want to be on the partner program. And I went back the next day and resigned and took nine months off. All I had done for the month before was walk and work, walk and work, walk and work. Hi, I'm Sally Patton, editor of BOSS from the Australian Financial Review, and welcome to 15 Minutes with the Boss, a podcast about success and failure and everything in between, and along the way, we're hoping to get some great advice from our leaders. My guest today is Alexis George, the Chief Executive of AMP. Hi, Alexis. How are you? I'm very well today. Thank you. Thank you for coming and joining me on a beautiful sunny afternoon and for allowing us to spend 15 minutes with the boss. Now, Alexis, um, as I said, you're the CEO of AMP, mm. which is a financial services company providing superannuation and investment products, financial advice and banking products through AMP Bank. Mm-hmm. Now, it's no secret that AMP has had a bit of a tricky patch, and some say you have one of the harder jobs in corporate Australia. So I, for one, am really looking forward to how you balance all that in terms of both your personal life and your work life. Now, Alexis, we have a lot to get through. Our 15 minutes starts now. So I'm going to start by asking you three questions. My first question is, how do you start your day? What happens before you get to the office? I'm not a routine person naturally, but my routine in the morning is always the same. And it starts typically with a big black Labrador's nose in my face saying, I want to go for a walk. That'll be the alarm clock. That is my alarm clock. If I'm lucky, I get a lick as well. We have two dogs. And so I'm usually out walking by 6am most mornings. And I just love that one hour in the morning when no one bothers me. I'm addicted to podcasts. So I listen to podcasts, walk the dogs and just have time to think about the day. What do you generally listen to in the morning? I listen to a whole range of things because, you know, if I'm trying to learn about something new, like now it's AI, I'm completely addicted to trying to learn about generative AI, which everyone at work hates. But I always come back to conversations because I am just fascinated with what makes people tick and why they do certain things. And I love hearing stories about people. So on the AI front, do you have any recommendations for me? I would absolutely recommend Hard Fork. It talks about how AI can be used and it's people who are nerdish, I suppose, in terms of technology. So they're playing around with the latest and greatest and coming back with what it did and what it didn't do and what we should be scared of and what we shouldn't be. And there's one there, I think it's called Valentine or something like that, where the generative AI falls in love with the reporter. It is fascinating. Sounds like I should add that to my listening list. Definitely. So after your walk, do you have breakfast? Are you a breakfast person? I am not. I'm a black coffee person, but honestly, I'm pretty no fuss. I come back from my walk, have a shower, just dressed as quickly as I can. My hair is this short, so I don't have to do anything with it. Get in whatever transport, get to work, big black coffee, that's breakfast. Wow, and then nothing until lunchtime? No. Incredible. I would starve <laughs> if that were me. I think that's the best thing for me, Sally. <laughs> I'm a lover of food, so I think if I don't eat to lunchtime, that's a good thing. Yeah, fair enough. 
So my next question is, tell me about a moment in your career that was a pivotal moment that changed the trajectory of your career in some way or helped to shape you as a leader. Look, there's one that sticks in my mind more than anything else. And I kind of try to live this every day of my life. And I was a chartered accountant and went to London with PwC. I was a senior manager there. I got told I was on the partner program and I went home and I thought, I don't want to be on the partner program. And I went back the next day and resigned and took nine months off and traveled around South America. And that was great. But then I came back to Australia and it was in a recession period. And I had to start this job whereby I was a bank reconciliation clerk, right? So I've gone from senior manager in Pricewaterhouse to a bank reconciliation clerk. I was very upset with myself, but I had no money and nowhere to live. And the best piece of advice I've ever got from one of my closest friends to this day is you have two choices here, Alexis. You become the best bank reconciliation clerk you can be or you get out because you're going to destroy your career. And I became the best bank reconciliation clerk I ever could be. And what I learned from that, like always do the best you can. If you're not passionate about what you're doing, get out because this is one small place and it will start to affect your future career. So were you a bit shocked when you first heard that piece of advice? Yeah, I was, actually. I was feeling, woe is me, you know, what have I done? She should have sympathy for me, but she didn't. She just gave me straight between the eyes, get over it, girl, or get out. So do you use that in your job now? Do you have sort of tasks that you've got to do which you think, really, I've got to do this, I'm the CEO, I shouldn't have to do this? Actually, I'm really honest, I don't because I think if I'm prepared to ask someone else to do it, occasionally I have to do things I don't like to do either. And for me, it's really important to be humble, right, and to treat everybody the same. That is great advice about treating everybody the same. Okay, Alexis, so my next question is, how do you make tough decisions or manage conflict? For me, dealing with it quickly is the best thing. I have learned if I don't deal with it quickly, it becomes something it wasn't and it builds up to something that it doesn't need to. So for me, if I feel there's conflict, I will deal with it. I forget about it 10 minutes later. So that's not always a good thing because I know other people don't. I'm very conscious of that. But I think it's best to just face into conflict. And when it comes to difficult decisions, I think I'm really rational, so I'm going to make difficult decisions based on data rather than emotion. They're not always pleasant decisions. I accept that, but I'm going to do the best I can in imparting that decision. And what types of decisions do you find are the most difficult to make? I think it's always when it comes to people. They're never easy decisions, uh, whether it's performance issue or just a fact that the organisation's changing and people's roles change. They're never easy because everyone reacts in a different way and I think it's really important to think about that. And is there a secret to be critical about someone's performance and how you deliver that message and try and get them to work better? Yeah, I think if people understand that you're doing it in their best interests and not to one-up them, it makes a difference. And I think also dealing with it at the point, not six months later when you sit down and have a formal review, that is not effective in my mind making sure they're aware that you're only just doing this to help them. I'm not going to tell anyone else about it. I'm trying to help you with your performance, I think is really important. Mm, I like that. That's good advice. Okay, on that note, Alexis, stay where you are. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to open the chatterbox. Can't wait. 
Welcome back. I'm here with Alexis George, the CEO of AMP. And now, Alexis, we are going to open the chatterbox. You you will see in front of you a um, lovely looking brown box Mm -hmm. inside which are 20 questions all printed on little bits of paper wrapped up. I would like to ask you to pick out a few of those questions one by one, hand them to me, and of course I will then ask you to answer them. So would you like to start foraging in the chatterbox? Right. Just what you always wanted to do. like a lucky dip. Ah, this is a subject that I think you might quite like. What do you think of ChatGPT and what does it mean for your business? Well, you're right. I think generative AI will fundamentally change many parts of our society and absolutely the workforce and the way we go about things. And in financial services, I think it'll impact things from advice to the way we interact with customers and really everything. And so we're spending quite a bit of time now thinking about how we can interact better with our customers using the various tools that are available. So do you think that many jobs will change substantially as a result of it because you'll have this whole new source that you can use? I absolutely do. I mean, with ChatGPT, it's a a language, right? So you can create things. I don't know if you've had a play with it, but I had to go to a 50th birthday party recently and I had to do the speech. So I asked it to write me the speech. I edited it, of course, but it wasn't too bad. And so I think it really will change quite a lot of positions, to be honest, and the work we do and get rid of a lot of that mundane work and allow us to focus more on the value-add work. So do you think that for a society as a whole, we will need fewer white-collar jobs because ChatGPT will be able to do a lot of that grunt work for us? I don't know the answer to that because if you look over history, we've had many technological advances and we still have the same or more people in the workforce just doing slightly different things. And I think as humans, we're very, very smart. So I definitely think it will augment the work that humans do. Will it completely replace it? I'm not so sure about that yet. And do you think it'll allow more Australians to get affordable financial advice? I do. I, I honestly feel that's a place where generative AI can help. And, you know, if you can create even avatars and things that will talk in the same way the customer talks, imagine the power of that. Because, you know, you can, it's about images now, avatars, et cetera, et cetera. So I think things are changing at a rapid rate. Is that going to be next year? I don't think so. But will it be in three to five years? Possibly, yes. Yeah, okay. All right, that's great. Um, do you want to have a little forage in the box? We'll have something. Okay. This is a bit what scary, we... Sally. Nothing like a bit of danger in a podcast, I always say. Oh, this is a good one. In fact, one of my favourites. What's the hardest thing about leadership? Yeah. I think the hardest thing about leadership, especially in a modern world where you, you know, social media, mobile phones can take photos, videos, whatever, it's always being on show. And I'm naturally probably a quite silly person and obviously you have to have to adjust that in the corporate world and being really careful about those little messages you might be sending that you're not conscious of because you didn't do something or you did do something or you said something or you didn't talk to someone because you were having a your your mind was everywhere so I think that's constantly being on show. A recent example, I was out with some of my closest friends and family. It was my husband's birthday. 
And we were in this little place in Darlinghurst somewhere and there was a jazz band and we were all just being silly and dancing. And this man kept looking at me across the across the room. Oh no! And, yeah, no, seriously. And I said to my husband, "Oh, look, I've still got it." Right? <laughs> but then he came over and he said, "Hello, you're Alexis George, aren't you? I'm a shareholder of A and P." And I thought, "Oh, thought it was safe." <laughs> but that's a silly example, right? And it wasn't it wasn't that bad. But I just think being really conscious of signs that you send that you may not realise you're sending. Hmm. I can imagine. Okay. Okay, next question. Do you have a coping mechanism for high-stress situations? I have two things. Firstly, I always have my runners under the desk, so if I've really had enough, I'll put them on for 20 minutes. I'm lucky enough to work in Circular Quay, so if I can go for a quick walk around the opera house or in the gardens and come back, and that, for me, is always a good checkout mechanism. I'm not a natural stress head, I've got to say. Typically, I can just sit for five minutes and I'll be fine. But walking and being outside, for me, is a real karma. So you're not someone who loses a lot of sleep over very much? I do not. And is Very, that- very, very rarely, except for the husband snoring. And are you able to compartmentalise the work yeah. and the and, and home life so you don't take work home with you? I've always been really good at like, I am working now, I'm giving 100%, that is done. I'm talking to a friend now, I'm giving 100%, that is done. I honestly think my husband's had a lot to do with that. I remember when I was in a very stressful job where I wasn't getting on with my boss so well and he used to say to me when I got to the door after work, is this going to affect us? And if it isn't, leave it at the doorstep before you come in. And actually, I think he helped me to say, all right, drop that. It's done. Another thing I do is I I volunteer for Lifeline. I've done that for eight or nine years now. And I suppose, you know, doing that, I've really learned at the end, shred your notes. I've forgotten. But as I walk at that door, I always go, I now remember how good my life is. Does that also add to your leadership in some way when you're at work because you're sort of leading these people through these traumatic situations? I think it helps me learn patience in um, listening to people's stories before I jump in to make a decision. Absolutely have learnt that because I'm a natural talker and fixer and so I think it's taught me to stop, listen and let people find their own solutions. Wow, that's amazing. It's fantastic that you have the energy to do that as well as what you do during the day. Well, on the weekends. That's when I do it, on the weekends. Okay, so that is now the end of our chatterbox section. Alexis, my last question is, if you had a month off, unencumbered, no responsibilities, you could do anything you wanted, what would you do? A very good question. Uh, I recently walked the Larapinta Trek with 16 women. We started out of Alice Springs, so that was certainly interesting. Now, if I had my time again, I'd do a bit more training before the Larapinta Trek, so I would spend the first couple of weeks getting myself ready for the next two weeks' uh, walk because it was hard. And how many kilometres a day were you walking? Between 15 and 20, but it's kind of, it was rocky and a lot of uphill. And I felt like all I had done for the month before was walk and work, walk and work, walk and work. And I didn't do enough walking. 
So how much walking did you do this time ahead of the trek? As much as I could. Like, not enough, I would suggest, but as much as I could. And was it beautiful? Yeah, I think you realise how magnificent our country is when literally you're standing on top of a mountain and you can see as far as you can on either side and all there is is red dirt, a few trees, and you really realise the enormity of our continent and our country and it's fascinating. Yeah, no, that's true. Another reason to go trekking in Central Australia. That's right. Recommend it. On that note, Alexis, 15 minutes is up. I've really loved talking to you and thank you so much for coming in. I love the way you're able to compartmentalise your home life and your work life. I love the fact that you're working for Lifeline in addition to everything else you do. I love the passion you have for your job. So thank you so much for allowing us to spend 15 minutes with the boss. Thank you. And thank you to everyone for listening. If you like the podcast and would like to hear more, consider sharing the podcast or writing a review as it helps us to reach more people and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. At the Financial Review, we investigate the big stories about markets, business and power. You can subscribe to the Financial Review, the daily habit of successful people at afr.com forward slash subscribe. This podcast was hosted by me, Sally Patton, Produced and edited by Lap Fan. Our theme is by Alex Gao. And our executive producer is Fiona Buffini. The Australian Financial Review.